Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Not intentional, all crazy again. It just uh, is working out that way. And Jim, I have a feeling this might be the way it is uh, on a fairly frequent basis going forward. We are sponsored by Theragun. Much more on them uh, a little bit later. Today is the final full day of the Trump administration. We'll probably get a rather large list of pardons and commutations as the main thing we see in the last 24 hours or so of this administration. The amazing thing that's going to happen about 24 hours from now, Jim, as we record this roughly a little before noon on on Tuesday is, you know, not the amazing constitutional transfer of power, which is uh, significant in and of itself, but it's going to be amazing to watch the media go from pure adversary at the White House to pure defender and cheerleader at the White House. Uh, although the hostility towards Trump, I assume, will uh, continue unabated, at least through the impeachment trial and probably well beyond. Am I, am I way off on this? I can't wait for Donald Trump to change from America's most dangerous president to America's most dangerous ex-president. <laughs> they, just that little prefix will be the only thing they'll change about the coverage. Exactly. They're still going to need a foil as they cheerlead the Biden administration. And I have a feeling they're going to keep Trump in that position as long as they possibly can. And you're going to get uh, an egregiously over amount of coverage of Marjorie Taylor Greene in the coming weeks and months. So just just be ready for the, the Democrats to find the, the person on the right that they want to make their foil. All right, uh, let's talk about our first crazy martini now, Jim. And this actually happened yesterday on CNN. Jim Shudo interviewing Steve Cohen, pretty out there crazy Democrat from the Memphis area of Tennessee. He's the guy that brought a bucket of chicken to a press conference or maybe even a committee hearing talking about how different Trump administration officials were chicken to show up and and things like that. Not a serious person, but I I believe he is on some fairly significant committees. So Shudo had him on to talk about the news that there was believed to be at least concern of an inside threat in the National Guard. And so all 20, 25,000 National Guards people in D.C. were going to be vetted to make sure they could be trusted to be part of the security for this inauguration. Jim, you like to say cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. That's where Steve Cohen is here, because as you'll hear, he believes anybody that voted for Trump, and since a lot of the National Guard are white males, that's probably the case. Well, maybe you really can't trust them. And even when Jim Shudo tries to correct him, he's having none of it. Here's an extended clip. It was certainly raised this morning. I was reading about this on my Twitter account, I guess, and people were reminding people of Anwar Sadat and Indira Gandhi, who were killed by her own their own people. Um, you know, I was thinking the guard is 90 some odd percent, I believe, male. Uh, only about 20 percent of white males voted for Biden. you got to figure that in the guard, which is predominantly more conservative, and I see that on my social media and we know it, they're probably not more than 25 percent of the people that are there protecting us who voted for Biden. The other 75 percent are in the class that would be uh, the, the large class of folks who might want to uh uh, do something. And there were military people and police who took oaths to defend the Constitution and to protect and defend who didn't do it, who were in the, the insurrection. So it does concern me, but uh, the vetting at the last minute. But, I mean, th- that's far to, to, to have voted for, for Trump does not make you an insider. Th- I mean, that, that's far different from being a threat 
uh, of violence inside whether the National Guard or law enforcement. I'm curious, is there is there anything you've seen to substantiate just how broad this in, insider threat may be, if it, if it exists? Absolutely not, Jim, but, you know, you, you draw circles first. And the first circle is people who work for Trump and not for Biden, as far as people who would be within uh, the, the zone of folks who you'd be suspect of. So, Jim, you just can't help some people. Shudo tried saying, you know, just because you voted for Trump doesn't mean you're a threat to the inauguration. And then Cohen starts talking about drawing circles about who's a threat and all these likely Trump voters inside the National Guard really can't be trusted after all. The schizophrenia on the left about we're so glad you're here to we can't trust you with the National Guard really is something to behold. Yeah, look, I guess that's this is a good marker of how the type of person who gets sent to Congress increasingly is indistinguishable from a cable news rabble rouser. And you almost wonder if uh, CNN or if at some point Jim Shudo regretted booking him because of where he was taking the conversation and uh, the kinds of assertions he wanted to make. In other words, if Jim Shudo is pushing back on you, you've probably gone too far as a Democratic <laughs> member of Congress. Uh, let's also note that this occurred on Monday, January 18th. Greg, I don't know about you, I can't think of a better way to mark Martin Luther King Day than to look at the entire group of National Guardsmen and say, we'll judge them not by their character, but by the color of their skin. Uh, good way to, way to go, Congressman, on that one. The only other thing I'll note to this is that uh, apparently just as we started taping, uh, ABC News and a couple others are saying that two National Guardsmen have been removed from the inauguration security mission after vetting found they had ties to far-right fringe groups, according to a U.S. official telling to ABC News no further details beyond that. Now, the lesson we should take from this is not, oh, I guess Steve Cohen had a point. I guess white males are inherently dangerous. Um, no, this is the FBI doing their vetting. It was based upon those uh, you know, ties to far-right fringe groups. And we don't know which ones. We don't know anything specific about it. Um, there's no word that these two members of the National Guard tried anything or were up to something. Just means they did the vetting, found this and said, mm, nope, this is not somebody we want on this duty. Obviously concerned enough for their superior officers. Uh, but again, if you, need, if you have some sort of crime you need to solve, don't hire Steve Cohen to solve it because his first step is, okay, well, we can draw a lot of conclusions about what people believe based on the color of their skin and their gender so let's round up the usual suspects. Oh, by the way, everything he said yesterday, he, he didn't even get the statistics right. 38% of white males voted for Biden. Uh, and the National Guard, both Air National Guard and Army National Guard are closer to about an 80-20 split. The other thing is also just to say, just general free advice to every member of Congress. Don't think out loud on national television. Because he's like, oh, I was thinking. Were you, Congressman? Were you really thinking? Yeah, again, so I think this is, you know, if you have uh, twice in this interview, uh, both this one and on the, the, the his claim that Marjorie Taylor Greene, or actually no, it was one of the other ones, uh, the one from Colorado was giving tours. And therefore, she probably was working with the, uh, the rioters on Capitol Hill. In both cases, Jim Shudo kind of pushed him and said, well, do you have any specific evidence to support that accusation? And both times, Steve Cohen said, well, no. So if you don't have any evidence for an accusation, particularly one as serious as that, you probably shouldn't make them a national television, should you, Greg? 
No, absolutely not. And in the beginning of that clip, you might have noticed, he said, well, I saw on Twitter. So between I saw on Twitter and no, I don't have any information, this is really a guy who's just out there kind of spouting off. He could have really gotten any Twitter user uh, for this interview on the left and, and gotten pretty much the same thing. Uh, I mean, can you imagine if he started quoting the president? Oh, wait, he can't do that anymore because Trump's <laughs> not on there. But, uh, but here's the thing. Let me observe, Greg, you or I could go on national television and talk about stuff we saw on Twitter. Right. You don't need a congressman to do that. No, anybody can do that. But here's the thing about the media, and I don't want to uh, miss the fact that Shudo did try to push back. You might say he could have pushed back a little harder, but uh, he did at least uh, check Cohen on that. But do you notice how uh, folks who are kind of considered on the fringe of the right, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, are treated by the media? And you could argue certainly that they should be. But then on the far left, whether it's Cohen or the squad, particularly the squad, they're not considered as kooky fringe. They're the future of the party and they have to be listened to. They're the they're the vanguard of the new generation with uh, with how things are really going to change. So when you look at the, <laughs> you know, the wings of the party, they don't exactly get the same type of coverage. Yeah, I, if I recall correctly, uh, President Obama did a press conference back in, let's say 2012 or so. It was right after the Todd Aiken woman's body can shut that right down, you know, comment. Um, but the first question to Obama was, you know, do his comments demonstrate that the Republican Party has a problem with women or something like that? It was, it was the ultimate lobbed softball there. <laughs> and Todd Akin, who most people probably never heard of before he made that comment, was instantly transformed into the face of the Republican Party. Steve Cohen is not that enormously well-known as a member of Congress. And there's an argument to say that he really shouldn't be, that if he's as dumb as you and I are saying, the country is not well-served by putting him front and center. But the intriguing thing is, is that nobody base says it. Well, once Steve Cohen goes on national television and has this perpetual series of rain farts, no one creates saturation coverage. Uh, you know, you know, President Biden, Steve Cohen said this. Does this demonstrate that the, uh, the the Democratic Party has a paranoia problem or something like? No one does that because you know, they're, they're Democratic fringe. They're, you know, but a Republican fringe member says or does something crazy. Well, then that's representative of something deep-rooted and problematic at the core of Republican Party thinking. It is emblematic. It is symbolic of a much larger problem. When a Democrat goes out and does something stupid, it's just something that happened. There's nothing to be learned from uh, Elliot Spitzer or Anthony Weiner or fill in the blank, Al Franken. Uh, any other Democrat who, louse, who, who makes a serious mistake doesn't represent anything. It's just a thing that happened with no broader lessons or morals to be taken from it. If that gets you all stressed out, grab your Theragun. And if you don't have one, you should get one. Because, look, it's going to be kind of stressful here with Democrats running the show in Washington. Let's not uh, kid ourselves about that. But you don't have to let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. So whether you're an elite athlete or someone like us uh, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can really help. By the way, we should emphasize if you're stressed, pick up your Theragun. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it is as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. 
It really is great. We've got it here at our house, and uh, Mrs. Corumbus loves it. She follows the routine. She uses it on her app. It's very simple to follow. It, it gives you all the prompts you need. I love it. I tend to not use the app. I just tend to kind of uh, put it on the quads or the feet or wherever you need it, and it really does uh, ease the tension. For those who might be worried about, well, can I do any damage to myself? Asked my chiropractor that uh, not too long ago. He said, no, uh, it's absolutely great. Just use common sense. Don't use it on your head or your nether regions, and everything else should be fine. So uh, if you have common sense, the Theragun will be fine for you. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and yes, me. So try Theragun for 30 days. You get 30 days to check it out, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash martini right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash martini. Theragun.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's move to our second crazy martini now. And Joe Biden is all about the identity politics in making his appointments, whether it's to his own staff, whether it's nominees to cabinet positions, and now he's getting to the deputy secretary level. Uh, The latest name to come out is Rachel Levine. Rachel Levine is the secretary of health in Pennsylvania, born Richard Levine and transitioned in 2011. And as our conversation plays out here, Jim, pronouns are going to get thrown out there. Uh, I don't really have a problem calling anybody by their first name, whatever they want to be called, but science is science. So the pronouns, I think, are are, are kind of locked in. It's not meant to be an insult. It's just just the way it is. But uh, of course, anyone who disagrees with that uh, will be branded a bigot by the media and by Democrats. So anyway, let's talk about this. There's quite a bit of controversy here with Levine, uh, Jim. First of all, Pennsylvania is one of the few states, I think there's about five, that had the New York-style nursing home policy where you had to take back in COVID-positive patients, no questions asked, couldn't test, and of course, nursing home deaths piled up. Well, that happened in Pennsylvania too, but not to Levine's mother because Levine's mother was yanked from the nursing home prior to the policy going into effect. So that's been a major scandal. Also, uh, just to show you the extremes of of health policy in Pennsylvania, which came from Levine's office, that's where you saw the directive to wear masks in your own home for Thanksgiving if you have any other families joining you. And as we talked about in the year-enders about worst political theater with the lockdown theater, Pennsylvania is the place where Levine's office put out the orders uh, how to safely conduct orgies. So when it comes to serious people, Rachel Levine's not too high on the list. You know, Greg, you could say, oh, the state health commissioner has done a terrible job in handling the coronavirus pandemic in the early days of the uh, pandemic. Wow, there really seems to be some sort of, um, I don't want to say hypocrisy. I don't even think that word does it justice. The sense that uh, she had advanced knowledge that things could go bad in the nursing homes, decided to protect her mom, but not uh, uh, everybody else's mom. They, They don't get the same way. Um, but I think a, a, another useful measuring stick is how is Pennsylvania doing in the rollout of the vaccines? Because this is what the state is supposed to do, right? We can't go to CVS and get it ourselves. We can't synthesize the vaccine at home. This is one situation in which we are completely at the mercy of the state government. We are dependent upon state government to take this necessary step to end the pandemic. How is Pennsylvania doing? Not great, Bob, as they said on Mad Men. <laughs> Uh, the state currently ranks 28th in the country in terms of using their stockpile of the vaccine. Uh, that's not terrible. That's not great. 
Um, they've, you know, it's better than some. I, I think what has me uh, particularly wary of the state's performance, which again, the buck stops with Levine, is uh, efforts to get my in-laws uh, vaccinated. They're up there in years. I'd like to get them vaccinated. They're in okay health, but you know, you, you want to take care of your, your, uh, your loved ones. Pennsylvania is not doing a great job. And part of it is, is that Levine said last week, she is going to adopt the federal recommendation to lower the eligibility age to 65. But that puts another million people in line of a system that isn't really working right now as is. Pennsylvania does not have a central registry for the shots, which means you have to go to hospitals or pharmacies to create their own online spots for people to sign up. So the first thing is that everything's being done online. And as I've heard from several folks, if you're, let's say, you know, up in your 80s or 90s, and you're not spending a lot of time on the internet, you're, you're don't have, maybe you don't have a computer, maybe you don't have a smartphone. If you're not online, you really don't have a way to register to get the vaccine. Big giant honking problem, number one. Then amongst the ones they do, lo and behold, the state has decided that they're going to have the pharmacy chains do it, except they don't have their websites ready to go either. The phone lines and people are used to how they help people, these pharmacies set up helplines. The helplines bit line is always busy. You know what it all reminds me of, Greg? The rollout of health, uh, was it, you know, was it healthcare.gov? Healthcare.gov, yep. It is a ludicrously complicated system. It is going extraordinarily slowly. Uh, nobody knows what they're supposed to do. Uh, everybody is basically, and this is all on Levine's watch. This, you know, that's, you know, this is the meme right here. You have one job, right? This is what you're supposed to do. What's really baffling about this is I'm sure Biden thinks, well, I'm going to get a lot of credit because I'm going to nominate the first transgender assistant secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services. la de frickin' da If the person's not good at their job, that doesn't really do any good to have the first transgender. Congratulations, President-elect Biden. You've nominated the first incompetent transgender assistant secretary of health and human services. This is what happens when identity politics becomes paramount and you become much more important on having a diversity pick of having somebody who's never been not a kind of person who's never been nominated before, instead of asking the very basic question, how good is this person at their job? Which in the case of Levine is to manage big healthcare systems. This is rewarding incompetence and it is a extraordinarily ominous sign. Forget anything you ever heard about Joe Biden being a moderate. He is staffing his administration based on identity politics, and we are all going to end up paying the price for this. This is a disastrous start to the Biden administration. Absolutely right. That has been criteria number one on virtually everything along the way, starting with the vice president's election. I mean, uh, it's just uh, gone all the way down the list. And it's also interesting that I think he's putting a lot more radical people in deputy positions. Now at HHS, it's going to be screwed either way because Javier Becerra is the secretary nominee. Can't count on him to overrule the bad decisions. No, no, there's just radicals everywhere there. He will take every bad idea, she says, and, and say, hey, can we add some abortion to it? Right, exactly. And so uh, then over at education, I just saw this. Uh, the deputy secretary nominee is somebody named Cindy Martin, who is the superintendent of San Diego Unified Schools. And uh, I don't know if folks uh, who are on Twitter a lot see the the work done by Christopher Rufo, who looks at uh, wokeness in schools. Uh, Cindy Martin's uh, promoted the concept that schools, quote unquote, spirit murder black children and that white teachers need to undergo anti-racist therapy. So even if the secretary nominees look kind of moderate for where Biden is or kind of where the party is since it's drifting so far left, just below the surface are really crazy people. Be ready for that. 
guys, it's Mock and Daisy from The Chicks on the Right, and we're excited to tell you about our podcast, The Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. If you've been stressed lately with the information overload on social media or just don't feel like anything in the news makes sense anymore, don't worry, because we're here to clear things up. Every week, we discuss topics like cancel culture, national crisis, what's happening to our new generations, and if you're just plain tired of people trying to tell you what to do or how to live your life, we tackle that too. Find out more by going to our website, chicksontheright.com, or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave a comment or review and subscribe. Moving on to more terrible decisions from Joe Biden. Let's go to Keystone Pipeline, where he said he is going to pull the permit for that on day one. Keystone Pipeline, uh, very popular, widespread support. I think uh, it passed the U.S. Senate with over 60 votes, I think, uh, when the Republicans first took the Senate in 2015. It wasn't enough to uh, get past an Obama veto, but super popular, but everything gets gummed up in environmental litigation and uh, principal initial construction on the Keystone Pipeline, which has been debated for basically a decade now, maybe longer, uh, just started last fall. And now Biden is going to kill it. The Canadians are begging him not to do that, even Justin Trudeau. But Biden, of course, uh, as you have said so many times, Jim, is basically in the mainstream, wherever that is, of the Democratic Party on policy. And since the party's lurching more and more to the left, and I do mean lurching, uh, the Keystone pipeline has to go, which uh, for anyone on the right or in the middle who thought that Joe Biden would be a moderating influence on the party, it's not going to happen because Joe Biden is like a weather vane. He's not directing anything. He just gets pushed around to where the various interests and, and loudest voices in his party want him to go. He's going to resist almost nothing. So right smack on the home page of National Review right now is the lead editorial written by the editor, the editors as a group. Biden's foolish sabotage of the Keystone Pipeline. And it makes all the arguments you'd expect uh, an institution like National Review to make about the importance of energy independence, about the uh, ridiculousness of, you know, telling, basically playing red light, green light with companies when they started making these multi-billion dollar projects. Um, but I just want to take a moment as I kind of laid out in the morning, Joel, even by the standards of the Democratic Party, even by the standards of Joe Biden and what he said he wants to do as president, this move does not make sense. Uh, you mentioned Justin Trudeau. By the way, you know, Greg, this is the environmentally friendly progressive dreamboat. <laughs> For years, all we've been hearing about is how swell he is. And he's not just like, you know, don't do this. He's a resolute supporter of the project. Uh, and you know, the Canadian government is making this really fair argument of like, hey, you're going to cancel this. You haven't even taken office. If you do this on day one, you haven't even talked to us. Now, Greg, for four years, I've been hearing about how terrible unilateralism is. For years, I've been hearing about how terrible it is to antagonize our historical allies. Here's the one time, you know, and we can't, I'm finding myself in complete agreement with Justin Trudeau, and we can't listen to him. We can't sit down and hear him out. I don't know about you, Greg. I'm tired of this, you know, rampant uh, unilateralism. It's, it's, why can't we go back to the genuine cooperation of the Trump years? Back when we had an administration that respected Justin Trudeau, uh, technically, maybe a little. Anyway, um, Keystone Pipeline, by the way, it's all being done with union labor. The uh, owners that reached a deal with Laborers International Union of North America, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, the International Union of Operating Engineers, and the United Association of Union Plumbers and Pipe Fitters. This is thousands of blue collar union jobs in the upper Midwest. There are not a lot of them. This is the sort of job, build back better. That's the Biden slogan. But apparently, we're not supposed to do it this way. We're not, this project is bad. Oh, by the way, construction already started. They did 124 miles so far. So now the question is if Biden says no, you cannot build this, this pipeline. Come on, man. 
Well, now the question is, what do you do with that? Like you've got 124 miles of pipeline built that's never going to be used. It's, you know, paraphrasing the old controversies about Alaskan pork projects. This is a pipeline to nowhere. It just can starts 124 miles and then it just stops and there's nothing to do. It. That strikes me as an enormous waste. It's a waste of time, waste of money, waste of energy. You've already started. Finish it, build it, use it, make something useful out of it rather than just basically turning it into, I don't know, an art sculpture or whatever the heck it is. And then finally, the country that the company is building all this, Canada's TC Energy, look, they know environmentalists don't like this. And they've really tried to bend over backwards. In fact, the most recent decision, they promised to spend $1.7 on solar, wind, and battery power to operate the, uh, the pipeline system. Basically, you need, basically need pumps to run them through them, and they're going to use all solar, wind, and batteries to, to generate the electricity to make those pumps work. If you're Biden and you do this on day one, you're basically sending a message to every energy company, don't bother compromising. Don't bother putting an offer on the table. Don't bother trying to find some sort of uh, uh, effort to minimize greenhouse gas emissions or something like that. No innovation, no compromise, no offer will ever be enough. Biden is gonna you know, cancel it no matter what. And like, so on all of those measures, this is not what, you know, this is not what Biden wanted to do, or at least not what he said he wanted to do on the campaign trail. But here we are, another like, colossal, ominous sign for the Biden administration, and they're not even in office yet. This is the guy who said he was going to ban fossil fuels, and then he wasn't, and now he's uh, inching back in that direction again. Uh, we'll find out what comes next. But uh, buckle up, everybody. Elections have consequences. Jim, we will uh, see you again tomorrow. Most people probably hear it once Biden has been uh, sworn in, so... Uh, we got a lot of bad and crazy martinis ahead of us, I think. See you then. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget about our friends over at Theragun. Try it out for 30 days. Theragun.com slash martini. Also, please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great day, and please join us Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.